Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Galatian church, he does something very interesting. You go, Ben, what is that? He spends a fair amount of time talking about the freedom we have in Christ. And then he gets over to chapter 5. Now, remember, he wasn't writing in chapters. He was simply writing a letter. But in chapter 5, he begins to teach us justification by faith. But more importantly, he's wanting to say, this is how we should live. In other words, he begins chapter 5 talking about faith versus Christian freedom. You guys track him. He said, this faith and, and the freedom we have. And then he'll speak about, he'll speak on faith versus Christian freedom. And then he'll speak on license and love. And then he writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, to freedom. Only do not use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but, but through love, he says, serve one another. Okay, let me say that again. See, the Apostle Paul, he's coming and he's writing this and he's, he's looking at you and I and, and we're trying to absorb what God wants to impact on our heart. And he says, guys, listen, family, brother. And he says, you've been called to freedom. And he says, amen, I've, I got that freedom. He says, but don't use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't sit there and go, well, you know what? This is how God made me. This is what I'm going to do. He says, don't use that opportunity. He says, but your freedom should be to serve one another. And then Paul, leading under, leading us in the direction, he begins to contrast the flesh and the spirit. And here's his rap, guys. Here's, here's where Paul's heart is. He goes on in verse 16, and he says to you and I, he says, I say then, he says, walk in the spirit. Why, Lord? So we should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we should walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And of course, we go, why? He says, here's why. Listen. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Guys, they're contrary. They're fighting each other. The flesh is always lusting and going, hey, I want my way. And the spirit's like, no, I want God's way. You guys know that, that, you guys know that war within you? And you go, man, I thought I was doing good. I was walking in Jesus. I was walking in the spirit. And all of a sudden, that flesh reared its ugly head. And I said, and I knew it's a fighting. Oh, wretched man that I am, he says. He says, don't do it. Why? Again, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. Paul says this to you and I, but if you are led by the spirit, he says, you are not under the law. It's like Paul, it's like many would begin to say, Paul, okay, what's What's the difference? Help me. You know, I understand this war. So Paul says, okay, guys, let me see if I can clarify this just a little bit. You ready? He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Now they're pretty, pretty plain to see. What are they, Paul? He says, they're adultery. They're fornication. They're uncleanness. They're lewdness. He says, they're idolatry. The works of the flesh is, is having other idols. He says, they're sorcery. And, and there's hatred. And there's contentions and jealousies, and there's outbursts of wrath, and there's selfish ambitions. Whoa, pastor, I thought, I thought it was good to be, be ambitious. The selfish ambitions is a work of the flesh. He says dissension. He says heresies. And by the way, you want to know what a work of the flesh is? He says there's envy. Envy. The green-eyed monster of envy, he says, is a work of the flesh. Envy. You see, envy is not, it's not that I'm jealous of what you have. I just, I'm so angry, I don't want you to have it. That's envy. Envy says, oh, okay. Green-eyed monster of envy. Murder is the work of the flesh. Drunkenness. Rivalries and the like, Paul says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past that those who practice those things, help me, church, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, guys, when we walk in the flesh, we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Those works of the flesh are evidence. He says, but then Paul says, but but, but remember, but then we have the Spirit. And he looks at the Galatian church and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's love. And it's joy. And it's peace. And it's long-suffering. And it's kindness. And it's gentleness. And there's faithfulness. And there's There's self-control, 
And Paul looks at us and he smiles and he says, against this, there is no law. There is no law. Okay, listen, listen, let me see if I can break it down, okay? When someone receives the Lord, when someone gives their life to the Lord, you guys know what we're talking about, right? For the first time, he or she becomes born again. We know that, right? We want to make sure that that term is so important. Why? Because because words alone aren't sufficient to save. So if I go over to Miss Alice and I say, pray this prayer, that does not mean she's saved. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit. It's called being born again, right? So when that happens, guys, what we must understand is that the birth is just a beginning. Paul tells us that we must walk in the Spirit to maintain a good spiritual life. That's why Paul is saying it. It's almost like he's warning us and he's saying, listen, there's going to be a war. You've got this inner civil war and walk in the Spirit so you should maintain a good spiritual life. And see, Jesus actually taught us of denying self. Paul said, man, keep that body under submission so when we get saved, God's wonderful salvation rids us of our sin. Can I get an amen? But since we're still human, we're often subject to temptation. You go, well, Ben, what's the answer to the problem? Well, it's for us to consecrate our daily lives and to walk in the Spirit. If we're led by the Spirit, guys, then we're overcomers. And the works of the flesh are kept out. Okay, let's talk about the flesh for just a moment. Some people call it the flesh. Some people call it carnal or carnality. Paul, in writing to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 7, says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So it says the carnal mind is at war with God. When it comes to the flesh, we have terms like carnal, sinful, some people would say the Adamic nature. All these are synonymous with, listen to me, an unregenerate heart. When you give your life to the Lord and you're born again, your heart is regenerate. When you have not become born again, Now, again, let me make this very, very clear because there's a lot of people who have come to the altar and they've come crying because of a crisis in their life. Oh, God, please come into my heart. But they really haven't been born again. It was an emotional decision not fueled by the Spirit, but fueled by circumstances. So we have to be so careful. They're fueled by, and so we go, oh, they're saved, yeah. And they walk out the door, and, and, and they'll attend church for a little while. And then after a while, guys, here's what happens. Life starts to get back to normal and they go back. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. They'll get back and they'll begin to move. And so again, we see that the heart was not regenerated because only Jesus can regenerate a heart. We see that. Yet, the carnal mind, guys, should be, and, and it should be destroyed at the time of salvation. Unfortunately, this doesn't end the conflict, does it? We've all had the battle between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. That's what Paul writes. Now, I know what you're thinking. You go, Pastor Ben, I have a question. What does this have to do with Genesis chapter 8? What is this? this is what you're talking about Galatians. What does this have to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay? It shows your intelligence. See, I believe that Paul illustrates in Galatians, guys, the principle of what's actually going to be taught in Genesis chapter 8. You go, What's that? The flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. Now, remember what we talked about last week, guys. So important. The first part of chapter 7, guys, we learned that God is not happy with what's happening on earth. If you you recall, the word of God says in Genesis chapter 6, 12 and 13, listen to what the Lord says. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the Lord has filled, for the earth has filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Aren't you glad for God's promises in the rainbow? Why? Because I'm thinking as I'm reading that, he's looking down and seeing the same thing. You and I can see this. It's corrupt. The Bible says, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Guys, we're doing that. We're doing that around the world. And so, and so I'm going, thank you that he's, but I know he's going to come back for us. And I know there's going to be judgment. I know it's coming. He, we can read it in scripture. And he looks down and, and at this time he says, oh, wow. And we know that he was sorry that he ever made man. 
And then chapter 7, guys, gives us an account of a worldwide flood and where only eight people were saved. Eight people. And in chapter 7, if you were taking note, guys, we learned three things that we could apply to our lives. Number one, guys, we saw that the name, that God, that God is a personal God. He employs the name Jehovah versus Elohim. Jehovah, he's a personal God. He's a God that we can approach. He's a God that's not looking at us going, I knew what you were going to do. I knew you were going to mess up. He says, come. We should seek him while he may be found. The second thing we can learn, guys, is that, is that God invites Noah and his family into the ark. He didn't command him. Noah built this ark. Okay, Noah, there it is. It's big. It's huge. Get in there, Noah. Get it, you know. Can you imagine God pushing Noah into, no, I don't want to go. I want to stay with my family. I want to hang out. No, God says, hey, How many of you want to go? How many of you want to go? And the third thing we learned, guys, is that Noah was saved, how, guys? By faith. He was saved by faith. He built the ark, and the Bible says he was considered righteous. That's how we're saved. Paul writes to the Ephesian church, we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace through faith, right? That's how we're saved. That's how we're saved. And then we learned in verse 17, the flood was on the earth, guys, 40 days. The water increased, and it lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. And so the ark was lifted from the ground. Water was everywhere. People are perishing. People are dying. I don't know if they're screaming and drowning. I don't know what's going on, but I can't believe it's good. And there it is, and the ark starts to be lifted up. I don't know about you, but let's just think about this in a practical way. The water begins to rain. You're like, okay, it's raining. I've never seen this before. And it's raining, and it's raining, and it won't stop, and it's raining, and it's raining. And all of a sudden, the ground opens up, and water starts coming up. I don't know about you, but if I'm being practical, I'm going to the highest place I can find. I don't think I'm just, oh, well, this is it. You're, you're trying to save yourself. And I think that even in the highest place of, that they could find, because you got to remember, I mean, there's, there's mountains everywhere. You can see the lift start, you can see the ark starting to be lifted up. And what are you thinking? That's my salvation. That's, I could be, I'm gonna die. Right? So the ark is lifted up. Now, why would he, why would he do this? Because it gives, it paints a beautiful picture, guys, of what Jesus said to us. Jesus told us in John chapter 12, verse 32, and I, If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. And so that should be our job. That should be their main thing. That's that we lift up Jesus, the name of Jesus. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we lift up Jesus? It's how we live, guys. It's how we live every single day. It's how we live and how we pray and what we say and how nice we are. It's it's lifting up Jesus. It's lifting up Jesus. The other night, last night, last night, yeah, I had my little Calvary, the sofa's wearing my little Calvary jacket, very warm, by the way, went over to Walmart, and the lady looked at me, and she saw Calvary Chapel, and she goes, oh, is that a Methodist church? I said, no, it's a non-denominational, we teach the Bible, we're in 42nd in Boston, and I had a chance to open an opportunity. The point is, is it gave me an opportunity to lift up Jesus, and then Jesus can draw all people. Okay, you, you see... And I thought, wow, that's cool. I didn't, that, that's awesome. It's people starting to see it. And then, guys, back in our study, the Bible says, and so Elohim, God, destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Guys, only eight people survived a worldwide flood. And then in verse 24, we ended, the, we ended our Bible study last week, and it says, the water prevailed on the earth for 150 days. 150 days. The waters reached the highest point after 150 days, which, listen to me, included 40 days of constant rain. Okay? You go, what was that? Listen to me. It was five months. Five months. Okay? Five months. You go, what does that mean? First and foremost, what, what just jumps out of the picture is that Noah was a patient man, wasn't he? Five months. Five months with family and animals in an ark. <laughs> 
Sometimes you find Noah on the other end of the, of the ark going, I just got to get away from these folks. Man, I just, are you kidding? Noah doesn't say that. But the point is, it's five months. Now you go, okay, five months. We talked about that. Now, here's what I found. Before we jump into chapter 8, I don't know if you're doing this, but I would encourage you, okay? Every year we read through the Bible. We have the, the one-year Bible, and we like to read as a, as a church, everybody on the same page. Why, it's so amazing to discuss, hey, did you read this? Now, yesterday's reading in the one-year Bible, and you go, where can I get a one-year Bible? In the bookstore. Something caught my attention. You go, what's that? Another five-month scenario jumped off the pages of Scripture. Because I know we had been studying. I, I just taught it last Wednesday. But it was over in Revelation chapter 9. Listen to this. This is what's going to be happening during the Great Tribulation. Okay? It's one of the, 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 the fifth angel. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 9, 1 through 5, it says, Then the fifth angel sounded. I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as scorpions of, of basically, was given them power as scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, nor the green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were giving them authority, and they were not giving authority to kill them, but to torment them. Guess how long? Five months. I thought that was interesting. I was like, wow. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion, when it strikes a man. What is it? I don't know. But I know that those that are left behind that don't have the seal of God, guys, are going to go through something awful for five months. Five months. Just jumped out, right? Just jumped out. So I'm like, okay, okay. The ark floating five months Dead bodies everywhere. Not only not only people, guys, but cattle and doggies and whatever. I mean, just everything is disgusting. It probably smelled so bad. So bad. Five months. And that's where we pick up our story in Genesis chapter 8. If you're taking note, I'm calling this message the raven and the dove. The raven and the dove. Verse 1, chapter 8. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing, and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. Now, let's do some work, guys. Let's do some work, okay? Because when we read verse 1, we go, God remembered Noah? <laughs> that word is interesting, right? Because if you see the word remembered, it causes us to think that God had forgotten Noah, okay? That, that after five months, God was like, oh, no, I forgot about Noah. I forgot about all the animals. Oh, man, I was so busy flooding the earth. That's not what it means. That's what we take, and we kind of go, oh, this is what it is, but that's not the case. Now, here's why I bring this up, okay? I don't want you to think that God was busy doing something else in the galaxy that he forgot Noah was floating around for five months. You guys understand that, right? You go, well, why do you bring it up, Ben? Why do you bring it up? Here's why. Listen, I bring this up because of life. The enemy of our lives, listen to me closely, will tell you that God has forgotten you. When you go through stuff, the enemy comes in and says, where's God now? He's forgot about you. He didn't remember you. When we go through a trial, a tribulation, a storm, when we go through things in life, right? The enemy comes in, he's the first one whispering in your, God forgot about you. And then you sort of go, man, I've been praying and I haven't heard God's voice. And I'm just, man, God forgot about me and I don't understand. And yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. If God really loved you, he'd be here talking to you. He'd be here walking with you. He forgot about you. He forgot about you. And we buy into that, guys. We buy into that. And the enemy will come in and say, God doesn't have time for you. He doesn't have time for your little small problems. I'm here to tell you guys that God has never forgotten you. Never forgotten you. 
He's been walking with you every single day. He's been with you. And all you do, although you don't see him and although you can't feel him at times, he's been right there. And the next time you're feeling forgotten, here's what I want you to do. I want you to jot these verses down because these are great reminders, okay? The next time you're feeling insecure and you're feeling, you know, basically that you're just abandoned and that you're alone, you need to write these verses down. You go, what are they? Well, jot this down. Psalm 56 verse 8. Psalm 56 verse 8 says this. You, Lord, keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle, and you have recorded each one in your book. Are you kidding me? Every time you've cried, God has put those, and he's got him saved. Every tear you've ever cried, my God has it saved. And every sorrow, every time you've ever felt heartbroken and lost and lonely, God knows about it. He's recorded, I've been there. I've been there. You keep track of my sorrows, the psalmist writes. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. In other words, that God knows everything. You go, what else, Pastor Ben? How about this? In Luke chapter 12, verse 7, Luke chapter 12, it says, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. The very, (laughs) this is crazy, right? So he says, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. God knows every single hair on your head, and it's numbered. Now, here's what it blew me away, okay? Did you know the average person has over 100,000 individual hairs on his or her her head at his youth? Over 100. Now, some of us, it's a little bit easier to count. For God, (laughs) you guys are are blessed. You guys are blessed. It's just easier. God just goes, yeah, eight. Amen. Amen. So the next time you're in the shower with, with all of us, next time you're in the shower and you lose some hair, that's okay. You've got a lot. You go, oh, I'm losing my hair. Unless, unless you're afraid to lose your hair. But, that, but the point is God knows the numbers. He knows. He's, he's counting them. He's counting them. If God didn't care about you, he wouldn't number, the, he, he wouldn't number your hair, would he? Oh, how about this one? How about this one? Jot this down. Psalm 139, 16 and 17. Psalm 139, 16 and 17. It says, before, he says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life you recorded in your book. Every moment was laid before you, before a single day had passed. How precious are the thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Listen, I don't want to brag or anything, but God thinks about us a lot. He thinks about us a lot. And, and these verses just, they're so, they're so meaning. Why? Because I, I want to know that God knows that I'm, that I'm hurting in life. I want to know that God knows that I'm struggling and I'm discouraged and I'm depressed. And, and God knows that. And I want, God knows, that he goes, the numbers of, I know, I care about you. I know how many hairs you have. And he says, and, and I think about you. I think about you. And if we were going to take a verse out of context, right? Jeremiah 29.11, let's we take that verse. It would be fit real good right here, though I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Of course, we know it's out of context, but, but God still has a plan for our life. He's guiding us. He's in control. Well, what should I do? Well, Paul reminded us that we walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit, guys. So the Bible says to us, he says, and God remembered. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word. Why? Because in the Hebrew, it's a verb. So we know that, that it's an action word. It's Z-A-K-H-A-R, zakar, zakar, and often translated to remember, but not in reference to God. Okay? God doesn't forget. God's like, oh, I remembered. It, confa- it conveys a thought about or turned attention to. God's purpose for the flood is accomplished and so he turns his attention back to Noah and the ark. He knew that he would, listen to me, remember? He knew that Noah was secure and safe. He knew that all the time. And he says, okay, five months is up. I don't know about you, but doesn't, doesn't that make you feel better that the God who created you and loves you knows that he, you're safe and secure right where you are? And that's the whole point of the cross, guys, so that when we give our lives to Jesus, that we're safe and secure in the cross. And we're resting in the cross. So he remembered. And so what does he do? Notice, guys, he says, 
he says, he remembered every living thing, the animals that were with him, and God made a wind to pass, and the waters subsided. Look at verse 2. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water decreased. The ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. Okay? So all of a sudden, God begins this wind, and so the water stopped. And Noah's like, okay, it's not raining anymore. Okay. So they start to recede. The waters recede. Now, in our minds, we almost think like God took a plug and went, right? And it was really, really fast. Oh, the water's going down. But it took very, very slow. Very slow. The, re- the waters begin to recede only after five months. The ark then finds the place, and it rests on the seventh month, right? Now, here's what you need to catch, right? It says the seventh month. It's the seventh month of the year, not of the flood. The flood only lasted five months. And it says, now the ark rested, I love that word, on the mountains of Ararat. Mararat, right? The name of the country in Armenia. So you have oh, this big old mountain range. It's called the mountain range of Ararat. So all of a sudden, there's Noah. The waters are starting to go down, and he kind of... Oh. But there's still water everywhere because it's not going down very fast. In your mind, close your eyes for just a minute. Open your mind. What do you think the world looks like at this point? There's probably a lot of people still floating Bodies, birds, animals, it's probably not a pleasant sight. It's probably not a pleasant sight. Well, how high was the water? Well, here's a quick fact that you can write down. Mount Ararat actually rises about 17,000 feet above sea level. Okay, so it's it's a pretty big mountain range. But the reference here is to the mountains of Ararat. And so somewhere up in the mountain range, basically, of Ararat, the ark still sits. The ark still sits. There it is. Right? Now, here's what I, we, we need to find noteworthy. The ark rested 74 more days after the five-month period. So it's still up there. Okay? Here's the word I want you to take home tonight. Patience. Patience. I don't have any. But we need them. Right? Because after, because I'm like, okay, God, 40 days and 40 nights, I can handle the rain. We, we don't even like it to be cloudy three days. Ah, we're going to see the sun again. Ah, it's raining, it's raining, right? Can you imagine 40 days and then all of a sudden you're floating around for five months? Okay? How many games of Monopoly can you play? I mean, how many games of, I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? But, but, but he was patient. He was patient. Look at verse five. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. Yay! So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. So Noah made this. It's actually called the floodgate. He opened the window, okay? For you and I, we rolled down the window. Okay, it's all right, right? And here's what he does. He does something very interesting, something, something so significant, okay? So he sort of peeks out. He looks and he says, oh, I can see some mountain ranges. Okay. He opens the top window and he sends out, look at verse 7, guys. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. Whoa, 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 time out. What happened? The very first animal that Noah released after the flood was a raven. Noah opened the window, lets the raven fly out. Now, if you simply read this, you must conclude that the raven found a home and it was safe for Noah to exit the ark. But that's not the case because the text indicates that Noah is going to send out a dove next. So what we have to do is we have to do some work, guys. We have to chat for just a moment. And here's what I want you to do. If you're taking note... I want you to jot this down. A raven in Scripture is always a type of our flesh nature. A raven is a type of our flesh nature, our carnal nature. In preparing for this lesson, I looked up some characteristics of a raven. Okay? Amazing character. Here's what I found. I'm not going to give you all of them. Let me just give you uh, a couple of them. Number one, here's a raven is actually part of the crow family and can live up to 40 years. So a raven can live a long time. You go, that's interesting. 
Number two, ravens live in deserts, in forests, in coastal cliffs, in forests. They nest in basically a stick-made nest or on trees. In desert, they, they find rock cavities. So in other words, they can live anywhere. Ravens can live anywhere. You go, Ben, what do ravens eat? Interesting that you ask that. They feed on fruits, seeds, nuts, fish, and decaying flesh. They have no problem. They'll eat small animals. They'll look for food that remains in garbage. They'll even dig up, uh, dig in the snow to inspect plastic bags with waste in it. They'll eat anything. That's what a raven will do. Ravens, I found, can call, ex- ravens' calls can express tenderness, happiness, surprise, emotion, or rage. Ravens can imitate birds with the same vocal note, mimicking perfectly the crows. So they have that. Number five, ravens are considered the most intelligent birds, displaying high learning, uh, high learning ab- uh, ability, the use of logic for problem solving. So ravens are very, very smart. And then I found this one, right? It said, ravens like to drug themselves. And I was like, what do you mean? Like they're sitting at the corner going, hey, hey, bro, come on over here. Let's, I was like, what does that mean? It says that they, they'll, they'll do some crazy stuff, like, like if they're un, in drugs. Like it says the raven will sit in the soil or an ant nest, open its wings, stretch them forward while it curbs its tail toward the belly. In the first step, the bird lets itself be invaded by angry ants and sometimes picks the ants one by one, squashing them with a little bit to introduce them inside to the plunge. I mean, they'll just sit there and they'll be all covered with ants. And then they'll, and then it says, then, then they start acting crazy. They start flapping around and going in circles and, Rah! you know, I was like, wow, that's, that's a raven. You go, Pastor, the point, listen, it sounds like a lot like our flesh, doesn't it? Uh, it's a type of the flesh. I mean, think about, think about what Paul was just saying to us. Guys, he, he, said, he said, the works of the flesh, man, this, this is what they are. This is what they're like. You ready? And he says, sexual immorality. He says, he says man, we're, we're out there. We're intelligent, yet we go back to the same things thinking that they're going to provide satisfaction. He said, the works of the flesh are, are sexual immorality. Impurity. Impurity. Hey, everybody's doing it. We, I need to do this. I need to dress this way. I need to look this way. He says, lustful. Our flesh are lustful. Lustful pleasures. Paul goes on, and this is the New Living Translation. He says, he says the works of the flesh are what? Idolatry. Idolatry. Now, we need to take, we need to take a step back because, guys, we love the Lord Jesus but I wonder, Lord, what's in my life that's that I'm allowing to be more of an idol? An idol. The New Living Translation says sorcery, hostility, right? He says quarreling, quarreling, jealousy, right? Quarreling. Quarreling. Outburst of anger. Outburst of anger. Selfish ambitions. I find it interesting that New Living Translation says jealousy, but then he goes and says envy. Huh. Envy. Drunkenness. Wild parties. All these things. All these things. Pastor Ben, you're you're just you're really squashing my, my Christmas buzz, man. Are you kidding me? I thought I thought we could I thought Christians are free, man. Are they're they're free. But but listen, here's the thing. Just like the raven, what did the raven do? He let it go, and the raven found a smorgasbord of everything that he liked. Rotting flesh. He didn't, he didn't need to come back to the ark, guys, because he found, 
He found his purpose. He found what he was, hey, this is what I was created for. He, he didn't even need a home because he could, he could go anywhere. That raven was, was happy. Well, in Genesis chapter 8, it goes on. Because we know the raven is a type of our flesh, but, but Noah, he also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. Now, the question is, guys, is why did he send out a raven and never come back? I mean, did he, a raven, but then he sends out a dove. And I'm thinking the principle is really clear, right? Paul explained the principle, guys, to walk in the spirit for you and I, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Not they're going to war each other, but I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be jealous. I want to be excited for what God is blessing you with. I don't want to be envy and go, oh, I really hate you, and I hate that you have what I want. I want, I want God to just do an incredible work in your life. I, I don't want to murder, and I don't, I don't want to be so drunk in my life that I don't know what tomorrow holds or, or anything else. Of course, I'm preaching to the choir, but, but Noah sends out a dove. And verse 9 says, And the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. So what did she do? She returned to the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand, and he took her, and he drew her into the ark himself. And he waited yet another seven days. And again, he sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came back to him in the evening. And behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return to him anymore. If you have a pencil handy, guys, this is so beautiful. The dove is a type of the spirit. The raven is a type of the flesh. A dove is a type of the spirit. You go, how so? Notice, guys, Noah sent out a dove because the raven never returned. But the world was so disgusting that the dove just flew around and came back to the ark. There is never any rest for those who love Jesus in this world. There's never any rest looking for, for that rest in the world. What a beautiful picture that Moses paints of the ark coming of the dove coming back to the ark. It reminds me of the story of John the Baptist. You guys remember that where he he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And then when he's baptizing him, he goes, man, listen, I should, I should be baptizing you. I'm not even worthy. To... And, and says, hey, come on, come on, John, let's do this. And he said, man, when he baptizes him, remember, that like a dove was descending on him. That like a dove coming back into the ark. I thought, oh, how cool, how cool. So he sends out the dove, and the dove comes back, says, mm-mm, you know what's out there? Rotting flesh. Stinky. Yucky. Yucky. So Noah waited, and he sent out the dove again. This time the dove came back, but he came back with an olive leaf. An olive leaf. The leaf must have come from a plant that had regrown to maturity for some time. And Noah now knew that the land had reappeared. So Noah's like, yes. So we waited another seven days, and the dove found a new home. He didn't come back. It was a new beginning. Now, a dove in Scripture is a type of a regenerate spirit, guys, walking in the spirit of this world. Now, think about it like this. Okay, you ready? The dove was in the world, but not of the world. Okay? The raven went. He found a place to live. No problem. Are you kidding me? Look at this. This is There's, there's food for days here. And the dove's like, no, that's disgusting. I'm not going to do this until he found a place to rest. He could never, listen, he could never find rest until the waters went down. Now, I found a few facts, right? A few facts about dove, doves. Number one, they, will, they won't eat insects 
or they won't eat flesh. The only thing that doves kind of eat are seeds and fruit. So he's looking going, mm-mm. What I find interesting, and, and I think this is good for us because we should be missional people, okay? Doves, they can adapt to any environment. They can adapt to any environment. You go, what does that mean? Guys, listen, your work, your place, your school, that's your mission field. Because the Holy Spirit inside you, walking in the Spirit, you can adapt to that without being compromised or compromising your walk. I found that interesting. Here's another thing. I don't know. You might say, Ben, that's crazy. You know, some of the, some of the morning doves go, hoo, you guys know that, that calling? I found it, it says that almost always uttered by the male bird, not the female, Okay. And it, it is a wait for it, a wooing call, an enticement to a mate or a potential mate. You go, what does that mean? You ready? Listen. God brought Adam a wife. You just, you just wait. It's the male going, ooh, and, and, and females are going, okay, that's the one. It's not the other way around, so we got to be careful. We got to be careful. And then here's another one. You ready? When it comes to marriage, doves, they tend to mate for life. Another name for them is turtle doves, and so they mate for life. So when when two people stand before God, Cindy's going to do that in a few days, okay? Being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit means this is it. They mate for life, um, Right? We're going to grow old together. That's why, listen to me. We have a few single folks in here. That's why you have to wait, be patient. Because when you say, I do, that's the one you want to grow old with. But I'm getting old. I'm at least 21. No, be patient. It's okay. God has the right one for you. And when he does, it'll be the best thing. What does Paul tell us? Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. And we looked about it, guys, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and self-control. Pastor Ben, how do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? Is there love in your life? Is there love? Is there love? You go, well, I love my family. No, 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 no. Um, um, Let's take that a step beyond that. Do you love above and beyond your family? If God created us in his image in the Imago Dei, do we love people? We love people. You go, well, Ben, I'm, I know I love Jesus, but sometimes I don't love people. Well, well maybe we're a little bit lopsided then over in the flesh just a little bit. Maybe we got to go, oh, okay, I, I want to I be over here. I don't, I don't know. I just know that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And do we have love? To be honest with you, church, I've blown it at times. I've blown it at times. Do we love? Is there joy? Is there joy in our lives? You know, what do you mean? Listen, this is this this season right now is probably one of the most stressful seasons for anyone around the world. Right? People go into debt, they buy stuff they can't afford, they put it on credit cards, they try to buy it. Listen, they wanna they wanna just have the best Christmas they could have, but but true joy comes from knowing that Christmas is about Jesus. And next Wednesday, listen to me, it'll be done. It'll be done. And then guess what? About 360 plus days, we'll do it again. Because it comes every year. That's a tough lesson to learn. Do I have joy? Do I have joy? Because the world is trying to stress us out about this, is it not? What about, what about peace and patience? Patience. Are we really patient? With people.
Oh man, how about kindness? A fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Wouldn't that be a great time today to show kindness? Show kindness to people. How about goodness and faithfulness and just being gentle? Guys, let's close with this. Let's close with these last verses, okay? We're going to close with the last six verses because it's really narrative. It says in verse 13, And it came to pass in the 601st year of the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. When Noah got on the, in the ark, he was 600. So this has been a whole, this has been a year process. Guys, we think it was 40 days and 40 nights. Water came up, water came down, everything dead. It's been a year. It's been a year. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. And God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons, your son's wife's with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all the flesh that is with you, the birds, the cattle, the creeping things that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife with his sons with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Guys, it's a brand new beginning. Eight people. God's going to do something. Now, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, okay? Because you won't remember in three weeks. You go, what's that? The first thing that Noah does after exiting the ark is worship the Lord. That's the first thing he does. But right now, today, it's dry land and it's a new beginning. Now, let me give you three, three quick things you can take home. Three quick things. You guys know them. We, we talked about them, but I'm just going to reiterate them, okay, for the sake of our study. Here's what we learned. The raven is a type of our old nature. What does Paul say to do to that? Crucify the flesh daily, okay? Crucify the flesh daily. We get up and we say, no, no flesh, no. No. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. The dove is a type of our new nature. It's the nature of Jesus. Number two, the olive leaf. The olive leaf. What a wonderful confirmation that God is a God of peace and rest. The olive leaf. Tonight, when your head hits that pillow and you close your eyes, Remember these words, that God is God of peace and rest. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows right where you're at. As a matter of fact, he followed you all the way to church today. He's been sitting right next to you, and he's, been, he's just got his arm around you, and he just loves you. He just loves you. And even when you don't feel loved, God loves you. And last but not least, guys, the one thing we see, and I've said it three times or four times throughout our study, is that we need to learn patience. Patience. Patience with who, Ben? Help me out here, church. Patience with family. Patience with people. Patience in general, right? Noah displayed amazing patience in the ark. And sometimes, how did, Noah, how did Noah learn patience? Guys, he was in the midst of probably a major storm. Would you agree? I mean, rain, water, flooding. And he just learned, God's got this. Now, if we're talking to us, how many of us would have tried to get out of the ark the moment it landed? Noah's like, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. You go, Ben, what's the principle? What's the story? What do I take home? God's working on you. He's wanting you to be patient. He's not done. You're under construction. Don't get out the ark too early. You could drown. Wait till it's dry land. And he says, okay, now it's time to get out. Don't you just love it? The last part of the verse says that, and God spoke to Noah. 
when I don't know what to do, then wait on the Lord. He'll give you that next step. He'll give you the next step. Here's what you don't want to do, guys. You don't want to kick doors down yourself. You don't want to push forward. You want to wait on the Lord. Be patient. Be patient. You guys remember when we talked about Peter on Sunday? When Peter felt like there was, he was out of control, what did he do? He got in the flesh. He started trying to cut off a man's ear. If, if Peter would have just been a little bit patient, he would have seen that Jesus had it all under control. And I wonder how many times Peter sat after Jesus resurrected and ascended, how many times he sat there and said, oh, I made a big fool of myself. I wonder how many times he prayed for Malchus. <laughs> said, Lord, please. Thank God that Jesus put the year back on, right? I mean, but I mean, I wonder, because that's what we do, guys. When we make fleshly choices, we sit here and we, and we just, and there's times we just go, I can't believe I did that. Can't believe I did that. Can't believe I did that. You had it all under control, didn't you, God? Yeah, you did. Amen. Amen. What's the takeaway, guys? Walk in the, walk in the Spirit. I know, Josh, you wrote a song, didn't you? He wrote a song about that. Such an amazing song. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for us. Thank you for you. And we had walk in the Spirit, Lord, not, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord, tonight we just thank you for your word and the truth in your word. God, we love you. Thank you for this wonderful feeding tonight. We look forward to what you're going to do on Sunday. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.